At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Many of us often wonder if going to church is worth it. But what if we told you God has a beautiful design for the church that very much includes you? The book of 1 Timothy speaks to these truths. And if each of us submits to them, our church will function as the loving family God intends. Join us this week as we look at the answers to the question, Church, why bother? Well, good morning. Great to see you here today as we begin a new year. Well, White Lake family, I want you to know that I have served as your pastor for a little more than seven years now. And one of the things that I have sought to do during my time as your shepherd is to speak candidly and openly and authentically about all matters of faith. You see, I place a high value on authenticity myself. So I place a high value on having that same authenticity as I stand behind this pulpit. Now, sometimes that requires me to talk about some tough topics, some difficult things like grief or lament. Sometimes as I preach God's word, we have to wrestle with some difficult issues that are going on in the context of our culture. Things like the sanctity of human life or sexual purity. And sometimes as I fulfill my pastoral responsibility of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and as I am called to offer you, the saints, a gospel-centered challenge. Today is one of those days. Today is one of those days where we're going to be challenged as God's people to see what it might mean for you and I to live out our faith authentically in the year ahead. Now, as we begin 2023, I'm going to share some kind of sobering news with you about the state of God's church in America. A couple of studies show some News that, frankly, is not very encouraging. If I'm going to be completely honest and completely authentic with you, it's not very encouraging. In fact, in 2019, a LifeWay research study revealed that only 36%, 36% of Americans have a great deal of confidence in the church. 36%. Then a more recent study in 2021 done by the Gallup organization, most of us are familiar with those folks, they uh, did a study that revealed a dramatic shift that's taken place in our culture in the past few years. For the first time in our nation's history, the majority of Americans do not belong to a house of worship. For the first time in our history, for six decades, that number hovered around 70%. Now it has dipped below 50%. These are not encouraging numbers for the future of the church in America. 
if we're going to consider these facts intellectually with any kind of integrity today, and if I'm going to be authentic and honest with you and we're going to have a dialogue about this, it is clear that many people are considering the question or are wrestling with the question at some level, church, why bother? Truth is, it would be naive for me to stand on this stage To say that I am your pastor, it would be naive for me to stand up here and say that some of you have not wrestled with that question in your own heart and mind. It'd be naive for me to do that. Because some of us struggle with God himself. Some of us struggle with some of the biblical doctrines that are taught in the context of the local church. Some of us struggle with the Church's ministry philosophy. Don't understand that, don't know why we're doing that. And perhaps others of us would say, you know what, my biggest struggle, struggle is with none of those. I've actually been hurt by the church. Whatever the reason. And there are many that contribute to those national numbers, and there are many reasons that contribute to where you might be thinking and wrestling with some of that today. Being a part of a local church is worth it. Being a part of a local church is worth it. And if you are questioning that in your own heart and mind, there are many of you here as we start the new year. I'm encouraged by that, and I hope that you are too. But if you are not, if you are wrestling like, man, I'm not really sure I want to do this, I want you to know you're in the right place. You are in the right place because over the next seven Sundays, today certainly beginning that, and over the course of the next seven Sundays, we're going to be examining what the Scriptures teach about the value and the significance of the local church. We're going to turn to the Scriptures in just a moment. But first, let's pray together. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, you have invited us here today to gather as your church. To gather as your people, a people who believe upon the Lord Jesus, a people who are striving to walk out that faith in real and authentic ways. That is why we are here. And yet, God, for some of us, the The journey is difficult. It feels like we're walking uphill on a pretty consistent basis. God, for all my friends, for all my brothers and sisters here today, would you meet with us on our journey? Would you meet with us, God, as we come to you and submit our hearts, submit our minds to the reality and the truth of your word? God, we know your word is true, it is truth, and it has exactly what we need to live out our faith, to walk in ways that are filled with integrity, filled with character, filled with the Jesus life. We need your spirit to lead us into that, though, God. Because we stumble and we stray off the path. 
And so, God, would you guide us today through the truth of your word? God, give us eyes to see this truth. Give us ears to hear this truth, God. And give us genuinely humble hearts before you that you might mold us and shape us how you desire. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, as we're turning to God's word, and we're going to do that in just a moment, we're going to be reading from the book of 1 Timothy. And I want you to know that it is important for us to have a few things uh, in our knowledge bank as we look to 1 Timothy. It's something that is uh, is kind of a popular book in the New Testament. It's referenced many times uh, in the context of the church because it speaks of the church. That's obviously why we're going to be digging into it over the course of the next few weeks. But as we go there, I want you to know a few specific things. First, who in the world is Timothy? Who is Timothy? Well, he is the son of a Gentile father and a Jewish mother. Kind of a unique upbringing. Timothy is a young man who the Apostle Paul has invested in, has poured into, and he has developed him as his understudy. Say, okay, I got that, Pastor. What's... What's the deal? Why is Paul writing to Timothy about the church? If he has walked with Timothy and he's kind of had him as his, as his right-hand man, why is he writing to him? Well, as his understudy, it is the gospel that connects these two men. They have this shared faith in Jesus Christ, and Paul wants Timothy to lead a young church in a place called Ephesus to greater faithfulness. He wants them to walk in faith, and he wants Timothy to guide these people on their journey. And finally, you might say, well, why does this matter to me? I know who Timothy is. I understand why he's writing the letter. Why? Why does it matter to me? You see, Paul's first letter that he gives to his understudy, and to all who read this letter, It details for us what it means to experience the true gospel in the community of faith. What it means to experience the true gospel within the community of faith. And that's why it matters to you and that's why it matters to me and all of us who are here today. So let's grab our Bibles. Let's turn to 1 Timothy. We're going to read just that beginning portion of 1 Timothy. It is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now, as you turn there, again, we're going to go just that beginning, and then we're going to jump to a, a later portion of our text. But let's read the text together. It says, Paul An apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Stop. Now, the first few words of any biblical letter or epistle, as they're called, include a greeting or include a salutation. Every time you open one of those, you'll find something like that, that the Apostle Paul acknowledged who's writing it and who he's writing it to. 
But oftentimes when we read it, we just sort of blow past that. It's just like, well, that's the greeting. I know who he is. I know who he's writing to. I'm just going to keep on plowing forward. Today, we should not do that. Because what you find right here on the page is really important. It's very significant. Because Paul's words show us that through our faith in Christ, we are a spiritual family. God's people are, in fact, a spiritual family. You see, first Paul begins by establishing where his authority to write such a power-packed letter comes from. He begins by introducing himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Lays that out there, strong, right to begin with. Then he explains that he's writing by command of our Savior. Again, tremendous authority. Now, if you've read any of Paul's letters, you might kind of have this idea that he's, that he's bold and that he's bragging here. Saying, hey, look at my resume. It's quite the opposite. Instead, what Paul is trying to do is he's writing to someone he deeply cares about, his understudy, Timothy. This is the man that he has cared for, guided on the path, mentored And he's helping him understand his own obedience to the call of God on his life. And remember, the entire letter that Paul is writing is to the young man he's mentoring. And he's saying, I want you to fulfill your calling as you lead the church in Ephesus. It's important that you do that. It's important that you know that. And so I'm going to write you this letter. But what's also important for us to recognize and to know and to pay close attention to is the familial way that Paul writes and describes Timothy. He calls him my true child in the faith. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second, Pastor. You told us earlier that Timothy came from a Gentile father and a Jewish mother. Those are his parents. How can Paul write that? What Paul is affirming is the shared connection that these two men have in their faith in Jesus Christ. Another way for you and I to look at that might be that both men know God as their father. Both men know God as their father. Now that familial language is something that you and I engage with pretty consistently if you hang around the church any length of time. I'm guessing you've probably heard this kind of phrase. Good morning, brother. Anybody heard that today, this morning? Did you hear that on the way in? When you saw someone who was your friend or your brother or your sister kind of threw that out there to them? It's true. By faith... You are my brother. By faith, you are my sister. That's a reality because of Jesus. Now, I've stood on this stage many times and shared with you my relationship with a pastor by the name of Marcel who uh, leads a church in southwest portion of Ukraine. Obviously, I've brought updates about what's happening in that country. And I have to tell you that as I was preparing this message, my heart went to Pastor Marcel. 
Because when we text, that is how he often begins his text. Brother Rob. There's a familial connection that we have across the miles, across time and space in many ways. And what happens here is we have this connection, this shared connection because of our faith in Jesus. And this helps us see the first reality, the first characteristic of God's church, that we are a spiritual family important. Now, let's return to Paul's letter. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to skip down actually a couple chapters. Don't worry, we are going to go back. But what we're doing today is kind of looking at some overview themes of the entire series. And so what I want you to do is I want you to skim down to chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16 here uh, as we, as we finish up our, our message today. But first, we're going to just look at 14 and 15, and you can read along on the screen behind me. Paul writes, I hope to come to you soon, Timothy. But I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God. It's a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Having already established that we are a spiritual family in chapter 1, Paul then goes on and is going to give us two more things that help define the characteristics of God's church. Paul establishes the next point in that text that we just looked at, and what he does is he writes to Timothy and he says, so that you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God. A couple other translations would say how you conduct yourselves. Why does it matter? Why does that matter? Well, because the church is the church of the living God. It is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. That's why it matters. It's not just some fly-by-night organization, some fly-by-night thing that comes and goes and does whatever. It is the pillar and the buttress of the truth. So Paul emphasizes the conduct and the content. And that helps us see the second way that Paul defines the church. The church is where believers both model and confess truth. God's people model and confess the truth with our lives. Paul wants Timothy to stress the importance of character when it comes in the lives of the believers. He says, when I'm talking to how you develop and grow a church, it matters how you live. You see, Paul wants the brothers and the sisters in Ephesus to know that the life of a follower of Christ should model that of Jesus. If you were in Christ today, your life should look a little bit like Jesus' life. I love the way a theologian by the name of John Stott explains this. He says, as God's children, we have an equal dignity before him. 
irrespective of age, sex, race, or culture. And that as sisters and brothers, we are called to love, to forbear, and to support one another. Character matters. How we live, how we conduct ourselves matters. For all who are in Christ by faith, our conduct should match our proclamation. Our conduct should match our proclamation. What we do should match with what we believe. And what we believe should be modeled in our day-to-day life. This isn't just something that Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to follow. It's not just a first century church thing. This is true for our lives as well. Right here in White Lake, Michigan, as we begin 2023, it matters to us because we are within the household of faith. Our lives should resemble the life of Jesus. It should be true of you and it should be true of me. We should be loving We should be kind. We should be gracious. We should be truthful. And I could go on and on and on with the list. It's endless. Pastor, are you suggesting perfection? (laughs) No. That's not what I am suggesting. Only Jesus could accomplish that because he was both fully God and fully man. That's why we celebrated his coming at Christmas a short time ago. Fully God, fully man. But it is only Jesus who lived a perfect, spotless life. It is only Jesus who sacrificed that life on behalf of you and of me. And it is only Jesus who could pay the ransom so that you and I might be forgiven. Only Jesus. But let me be clear. What Paul is communicating to Timothy is not so that the followers of Jesus would receive some gold star of good behavior. Like, oh, you did well. Pin the gold star on your chest. No, that's not what he's talking about. Your behavior or your conduct will not earn you favor in the eyes of God when it comes to salvation. Jesus has accomplished that on the cross. We just need faith in him to apply that work to our lives. It's been accomplished and it needs to be applied through faith. Instead, what Paul wants Timothy to know and all believers in Ephesus and all believers who would read this letter is this. The way we live should match what we believe. For those who are in Christ today, we shouldn't be partying hard with our friends on Saturday night and then praising the name of Jesus on a Sunday morning. We shouldn't be closing a shady business deal on a Friday and leading a life group on a Sunday night. We shouldn't be gossiping about our brothers and our sisters in faith on Thursday and then serving alongside them on Sunday. That should not be. Because believers are called to model 
and confess the truth. We're called to do that with our lives. We're called to do it every day. We're called to do it in every season of our lives. Not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. And there's a difference. So as we begin the new year, let me ask you, believer, are you modeling what you confess? May that be a goal for the year ahead. Now let's read the last verse in today's text to see the third characteristic that defines God's church. Once again, it's from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. For he was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taken up in glory. (laughs) The cultural context we just read is so helpful to understand this part of our text. I want you to consider for just a moment that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Think about the architecture. Remember what he has just said about the truth? He called it a pillar and a buttress. By using this imagery, Paul communicates that there is strength in the message. Great indeed, he says, is the mystery of godliness. By using that imagery, Paul wants you and I to know that there is strength in the message. All of the folks in Ephesus would be familiar with the the grand architecture that they would see, the columns that were known in their region. And everyone would know that those columns carried a heavy, significant load. And this is what Paul is communicating to Timothy. And all who read this message, that there is power, that there is strength, and there is beauty in the message of the gospel. There's power in it. Great indeed is the mystery of godliness. But then as you look at those final words, there's little phrases and they feel like they pick up steam as you read them kind of go through those. What Paul is doing is he is explaining or trying to give a little bit of framework for the exact mystery of this gospel. He does so in a six-part structure. You might say, wait a second, Pastor, there's only a few minutes left. You got six points yet? Work with me. (laughs) Listen as he explains the list. He says, Jesus was manifest in the flesh. That's one phrase. Christ The eternal word became flesh. We celebrated that at Christmas. Then he says, Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. Christ was declared to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Then he references that Jesus was seen by angels. We know this to be true from what we read at the Christmas story. Jesus was seen his entire life by the angelic 
from the proclamation of his coming to the triumph of the empty tomb. He was seen by angels. Jesus was then preached among the nations. Paul himself has invested his entire life in that reality. And he's developing and he's mentoring Timothy to come alongside and to follow it. Church, it continues today. And it will continue until Christ returns. Then it says Jesus was believed in the world. The stories of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection spread quickly. Thousands upon thousands believed, and it literally changed the world. That is not hyperbole. You are here today because that message spread way back then. And it continues to. It continues to. And then finally it says Jesus was taken up into glory. Jesus' resurrection was the decisive evidence that he was, in fact, the promised Messiah. That is a six-part structure, kind of in a form of a hymn that proclaims the gospel message. It proclaims the gospel story. And in doing so, what Paul has done, what he has given to Timothy and to you and me is a clear picture of the third characteristic that defines God's church. We spread the gospel. Followers of Jesus Christ spread the good news of Jesus. That's what we do. Church, this right here is our application. You might say, well, I want to read the scriptures. I want you to tell me about them and unpack them. And then I want you to give me a nugget to take home. Here is your nugget. This is the application. It's been the application since Paul first wrote the letter some 2,000 years ago. The application is clear. It's very direct. And frankly, it doesn't need a lot of explanation. The family of God has the truth of God. And we proclaim the good news of God. Believer, God has placed you right where you are for a purpose. In your family, at your school, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. God desires that you would be the church because the church is a family that upholds the truth and spreads the gospel. Let's be the church. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.